Miracy. I'm Russell Auckland, and you are listening to Making It. I run a business called Conversion Engineering, and we help establish experts and coaches enroll more students into their courses and programs without relying on the heavy-handed launch model. So when I was younger, I definitely wasn't one of those people who said, I want to be like a doctor when I grow up, or I want to be like my dad. I wanted to be a vet at one stage, but like, not really. Like, I liked animals. I was very attuned with nature. My father was a master gardener. And so just being around this amazing garden and his passion for really kind of attuned me to that. I was a huge fan of David Attenborough and his documentaries. Still to this day, like, I love anything David Attenborough. And so I love the idea of being with animals and that idea. And then I spent half a day on a farm with a vest, put on the giant rubber glove. And I was like, no, I, I don't think I want to be a vet, actually. I had the brain for math. I was good at physics. I was good at chemistry. I didn't really want to be an engineer, but that was kind of the path I ended up going down. And I didn't really resist it. Like, it made sense to me. But there was always as well an artist in me growing up. Like I would hang out with the other artistic kids who would love to draw. I would write. Like there was definitely a creative expression side to me that was kind of bubbling beneath the surface. That's how I really wanted to spend my time. I really enjoyed it. And I kind of wanted to pursue that. But my parents, as parents do, were like, yeah, that's not exactly financially viable. So let's just put you in the engineering side of things. And that's the path I ultimately ended up going down. I realized very early on that I had the gift of writing that others didn't have. So we would do group projects and I was certainly not the guy that was putting in the long hours at the lab collecting the data, but then I would kind of show up and then, you know, it would come time to write the report and I'd look at the reports the guys were writing and I'm like, guys, give me the stuff, I'll stitch it together. And I wrote my final year thesis and I had other guys saying, can you like just review my abstract for me? Can you just like rewrite that a little bit? And that's when I realized, oh, like there's certainly something to that. And then when I graduated my bachelor's, I realized I didn't want to become a mechanical engineer. I worked for Intel and there was just too much corporate structure for me and I rebelled against it. I can remember getting a disciplinary <laughs> hearing at Intel because like there was a group of junior level engineers and they had this thread going on with it wasn't too serious but like there was like just too many cc emails going around because it was like a pre-inter-chat days and then like these people were clocking up the inboxes and some senior manager came in i was like stop doing this and then i replied to everyone saying what she said <laughs> and they put me aside for that right like i was just it was a stupid thing to do, but like looking back, that was me rebelling against the corporate structure of like having 12 bosses telling you what to do. So I was told that's the peak of mechanical engineering. Like that's the best place you could end up. And I was like, I don't want that at all. So went back to school, did a master's in environmental engineering, ended up at a environmental compliance software company where I specialized in water treatment and I was brought in to work with the engineers there to help them build out this water pollution calculation module. And the people at that company were like, oh, you can actually like write. <laughs> like this is not what the engineers are used to doing. They said, do you want to write some content for the website? And I was like, sure, that sounds like fun. 
And then they're like, do you want to take over the development of the website? And I had some web development experience. And so all these things kind of came together and they just opened the door into the world of marketing. And it's kind of this overlap of analytics and data with creativity and expression and human psychology. And when I saw that you could merge those, I went down the rabbit hole and here I am, you know, 12 years later and it's the full-time gig. When I started my digital nomad tour, which is about four years on the road, I was leaving Canada and I architected out in my mind this uh, very elegant tour that I would start in the States and I would see some of the States and then I would go to South America and then I'd see some of Europe and then like finish down in Southeast Asia and Australia, right? Like this path of where it would go. And I had no illusions that it would be a direct line, but that would like be the pattern that I would try to follow. Fast forward four years and like that didn't happen at all. I spent most of my time in the States and Canada and the pattern looking back was I would travel for an event, a work event of some sort. And then what I would do is I would just go and spend time with the people that I know and love and friends and family. And I just rinsed and repeated that for four years. And for me, that meant I was far more interested in maintaining and reconnecting with the people that I knew. And that turned out to be like some of the greatest four years of my life. So, you know, make some plans and throw them out the window as soon as you actually see what you want to do. I have developed an awareness of where my attention gets pulled. And we're all battling to kind of hold our attention these days. But like within the realm of anything, like sometimes you just become fascinated with things. And anytime that happens, like it's usually for the good. Like nearly, like I don't think there's been a time where I've kind of discovered a rabbit hole and gone down it and it hasn't moved me on to the next level, right? And I also learned that like you can waste a lot of time if you don't take that fascination and turn it into creative output. And when I went down the marketing rabbit hole, it was just effortless. I just didn't have to try. And like, obviously I did have to try, but I didn't have to force myself to study. Like I spent all my money on courses, on books, on anything I could find to study from the best people. And I was excited to put my money towards those courses, right? Like, did I in the moment feel like, oh, I have found my thing? No, but like, I've just learned that following that fascination down the rabbit hole and encouraging yourself to go with it is like one of the greatest forces. I get excited now when I discover a new topic that I want to do that with, but I've also learned you have to, once you go down the rabbit hole, come back up and then create something to kind of A, solidify it for yourself, but B, to kind of stick something on the wall to show other people like, hey, I've been here, I know about this thing. There's been, I would say, maybe six to eight pieces that I have written in my life that I was just with no external deadline, no financial motivation associated to it. I just, something inside of me is like, you need to write this. And it's like just purely the creative process. I have no idea what it's going to be. I just know I need to write this thing. And funnily enough, like anytime I've done that and I published that, like that piece has performed far beyond anything I've ever done. The last time I felt that actually was when I came back to Canada and I met my now wife and we met 
and we had reconnected and something was just telling me you need to write a letter <laughs> right like and i wrote her a letter and fast forward two years and we're getting married right like it's just sometimes there's a i don't know what it is but there's just a feeling you gotta write this thing but i know when i get that feeling like i'm about to like level up there's going to be a new area of opportunity that's going to come up for me like it's going to change my life significantly. I don't know when it happens. I can't predict it, but I know when that happens, I'm like, my life is about to change for the better. I think like making it is, there's, there's levels, right? I don't think anyone can say I have made it because made it is really just about getting to a location in time and space, right? Like I made it to the top of the mountain or I made it to the house on time. Right. And so I think for a lot of people, they have a little level of dissatisfaction with their current life position. And I think you have made it once you've kind of eliminated that level of dissatisfaction. And I think then making it is like, how do I make that my full time thing? Like every day, we're all kind of running the same. 24 hour simulation, right? Like you wake up in a certain location, you spend X number of hours preparing for your day, and then you do X number of hours of work in another location. And then you spend this many hours with this person and you're barring holidays and vacations, kind of running the same 24 hour simulation over and over again. And for a lot of people, they're just not happy with how those 24 hours kind of play out. And I think you've made it once you've gotten to a place that you're happy with how those 24 hours are happening. For the most part, there's no such thing as perfection. And you're kind of secure in your ability to maintain. And so I think it's about asking yourself, are you happy with where you've ended up? Because otherwise you've just made it to base camp and you got to move on to the next level, the next top of the next mountain. And sometimes you have to go too far before you can realize actually making it was the previous peak that I was on. But I think it's, you know, the, the test of whether you've made it or not is asking yourself, is this 24 hour simulation that I'm running like as close to my ideal as possible? Or am I drastically far away and I need to make some radical changes? One of my first teachers and mentors in the copywriting space, Kevin Rogers, he said something just offhand in a forum post that I wrote down and I still repeat to this day, which is, if you're open and honest about your level and where you're at and your ability, your lack of perfection will be forgiven. Like every single time I have tried something new or I've taken on a new opportunity, like I have failed. I took the opportunity that was in front of me and I found all the different ways I could fail and I just got comfortable failing and then course correcting quickly afterwards, right? And I started my first agency and that was a failure. Like I shut it down. From all the external markers of success, like I tripled my revenue versus being a copywriter. Every client we took on had growth from like 50% to 100%. But by the end of it, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. And then I started my first coaching program and that failed in several different ways. And I think you just got to get comfortable with the idea that most of the stuff you're going to do is going to fail, but you will only fail if you stop trying, right? The real trick is in wisdom extraction because the failure is not the problem. 
the repeated failure is the problem, right? You just got to fail faster. You got to take out opportunities, put your ego in the backseat. I'm comfortable looking like an idiot. We'll take the criticism afterwards, but let's just try stuff and then course correct as we go. There are multiple ways to monetize or to become successful through an action. Like my actions that I really have are natural strengths of mine that make me great. What I do is talking to people and listening to them. Some would call that market research. Collaborating with others and creating a vision for what we're trying to create. Some would call that creative direction. And then like writing the voice in my head and getting that out to clearly articulate what it is that I'm trying to say. You can take each of those actions and abilities and channel it in multiple ways to become successful. Like I could have gone into movies. I could have gone and I just could have written stories and books. But I wouldn't have been able to do any of them if I didn't have someone to encourage like the ability to like repeatedly apply those actions over and over and over again. And so trust yourself and pay attention, I think, to the signs of where you're naturally gravitating towards, what you find fascinating and motivating. Because if you find that thing fascinating and motivating, it's just a ridiculous competitive advantage to have over other people because you're just naturally going to put more hours into it. And I think if you can stack a number of those things on top of one another, eventually you just become this unique specialist in a specific way that other people, you know, can't compete with because you have built up this body of ability and experience and skill that is kind of uniquely suited to tackle a certain set of problems. The goal in life is just figuring out how your abilities and whatnot match a market out there so that you could pay top dollar to solve, you know, serious problems for people. I'm Russell Auckland, and you've been listening to Making It. You can find me at conversionengineering.co, and you can download my book, Open Every Day, which is about how to enroll more students into your courses and programs without the launch model. You can download a copy at www.openeverydaybook.com. Making It is part of the Mirror CFM podcast network, which also includes such shows as Just Between Coaches and Once Upon a Business. This episode of Making It was produced by Jeff Govitson and Cassandra Tepevine. That's me. Cynthia Lamb is a supervising producer and Danny Eney is our executive producer. To catch the great episodes that are coming up on Making It, please follow us on YouTube or your favorite podcast player. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a comment or a starred review. It's the best way to help us get these ideas to more people. Thank you, and we'll see you next time.